It's time for episode 104 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, September 16th, 2015. Clockwise, four people, four technology topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast where time is on our side. Yes, it is. I'm co-host Dan Morin, and I was just interrupted by my co-host across the yes, country you were. from me. I don't remember who this guy is. Mr. Jason Snell. Hello, Dan. Welcome. It's, hey, we're not in the same place this week. We're nope. back on the other side. We, we've put some distance between us, which is probably for the best. Nor are we outside. <laughs> so there's that. Well, speak for yourself. What? I am outdoors as okay. we speak. We are joined, as always, by two fantastic guests. Uh, to my left is... The delightful Krista Morgan. Chris, I don't even know how to introduce you. I'm, what is your current title? Oh, I am a co-founder and a designer, I suppose, at um, Civil Company, um, Civil Co, actually. We are making Civil Comments a uh, commenting platform that is based on quality and civility. That is an awesome goal, and we are delighted to have you back. <laughs> Thanks. And to my left, it is the co-host of Mac Power Users. You know him as Mac Sparky. It's David Sparks. Welcome back. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. Good to have you. I just saw you in Portland at XOXO. I also saw Krista, but we didn't talk. She was far away, and then I know, she I went saw away. I like twice and, and was like, okay, I'm going to go talk to him next, and then you just would vanish. It's amazing. Um. That, that happens there. But I did get to talk <laughs> I, to David a, a, a bit, I, I and that was all I didn't see any fun, of you. So. No, and Dan was, Dan was there in spirit. Uh, like Force Ghost, like Obi-Wan style. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, We've got four topics for you here today, and since I am this week's designated co-host, I thought I'd kick things off by talking about everybody's favorite topic, buying iPhones. Um, so <laughs> in an interesting move this year, and one of the few things I think that we did not really uh, know anything about from before last week's event, Apple announced that they would start offering an installment plan for selling iPhones, the iPhone upgrade program, which lets you basically pay Apple a monthly fee, and then at the end of the year, you can upgrade. Um, and so I, I actually wrote a piece for Yahoo Tech about buying iPhones. And so what but what sort of struck me overall about this is the idea that Apple is sort of trying to take some of the skin away from uh, the carriers in this game here. They're trying to say, hey, you can do everything through us. So I'm curious because we've seen the demise of contracts uh, and it feels to me like the overall balance of power is shifting. Is that where we're going here? Or do the do you think the carriers still hold all the cards? Where are you buying your next iPhone from? I, I'm curious about your thoughts. Krista, what do you say? Well, um, we are actually switching carriers because of this. Um, well, partially because of this. We had been looking at T-Mobile for a while, just their their data plan, their unlimited data plan. Seems way better. Um, just having this, this upgrade plan is just very freeing um, to not be... Um, not have to have your phone model and contract be linked together. So I had I had been on the every other year model, which um, was very sad for me. So so I was on like the S cycle. So like I have currently I have an iPhone 5S, and so I was so sad every year I wouldn't get like the new form factor of phone. But then I would get like the very fast version of it when there was an update. Um, so but now um, so yeah we've we've gone with T-Mobile. Um, I did pre-order a phone. I don't know why it takes so long to pre-order a phone. Still in 2015, I talked to a lot of people that had problems. I won't get into it, but uh, um, I am excited. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you know, definitely carriers still hold um, a lot of the cards, and contracts are still expensive. 
etc. But um, I think it's definitely a move in the right direction, and I'm very excited to you know be buying a phone on the installment plan, and then just be more free to to have a new model every year because that's what I want. That's what everyone wants. You just want the new phone um, every time. So yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, I, I am excited too. Um, I do think that we're seeing a shift and I don't think that the carriers hold all the cards now. Um, I think that this is part of this. They may, they will continue to struggle, but I, I, I feel like they are moving toward being more like dumb pipes or at least they're going to be competing against each other on features and it's not going to be about locking you in. And uh, I think that's great for consumers. Um, I, For me, I think the, the real question is, am I going to do, am I going to buy my phone outright or am I going to do the Apple plan? Um, and I feel like I could just buy it outright. I don't need to get deal with like essentially a loan. Um, the only thing is the Apple plan also basically they will take your phone after a year and give you a new one. And if you buy it outright, I believe, then you have to go through the rigmarole of selling it used mm-hmm. and and right. all of that. And it's actually yeah. le- kind of an inconvenience to do that. So for me, that's the only real question here. Um, I, I am on a plan that has another year left to run with AT&T. Um, and AT&T is by far the best carrier in my neighborhood so i kind of need to keep it but um you know i i i just like the freedom of not being on a contract i could switch if i really want to and just not having to deal with the comp complications of the at&t plan and just continue to pay at&t for the phone service and and get the calculation of what the the phone itself costs out of the equation i'm really looking forward to that I think that the uh, the move to non-contract phones is a good thing, but I think the execution has been kind of hilarious. I mean, I called <laughs> AT&T, and they didn't even really know what was going on, and it turns out I've been paying extra for my texting because I'm in contract or out of contract, depending on who you ask, and... Um, so, but then when you go to the Apple side, I thought it was equally kind of ridiculous when I went to, to purchase my phone at midnight, because I'm that kind of geek, Apple did not have a big button that said, buy it on the payment plan. You know, they, you have to know that you need to go into the store to get this all set up. And I felt like Apple kind of blew it too, but, um, I'm with you guys. I, I don't want to be beholden to the carriers in any way possible. So the, the less of that, the better. Yeah, I think that's the interesting thing for me, too, because I'm getting all this stuff as I'm researching this this article about, like, where you can get, like, good deals if you're going to upgrade. It's just it's just Byzantine, like all these different discounts and deals that you can get. You get this much if you trade in on this one. It lowers your bill by this much. And, and it all strikes me a little bit as just sort of floundering on the carrier's part because now they're all just trying to undercut each other. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I feel like I ended up in the same spot with carriers that I did a few years ago with my cable company where I decided that, yeah, OK, the cable company offers you know discount rates when you sign up for your first cable plan for x months right and then eventually at the end there it goes up again and you can call them and argue with them until they lower it again or threaten to leave or what have you and i just decided i just don't want the hassle so all i'm going to do is get my own cable modem disc get rid of whatever discounts i have and just end up paying the flat rate my rate never changes because i'm not beholden to them for anything and that's kind of the the situation i find myself in with the phones it's not that i couldn't get a better deal elsewhere if i were you know willing to hustle a little bit but i just don't want the hassle and i feel like at the end of the day even despite david's point which i think is valid about how apple you know kind of sort of sided sidled into this um I, i just get the feeling that maybe every year then it will just be that much easier and and less of a hassle to upgrade every time. So I can't help but see this as anything but a good thing. 
Thank you all for your thoughts on that matter. Uh, Krista, what's your topic today? Oh, my topic is uh, what is your dream app for the new Apple TV? Now that there's an SDK, we're going to be seeing games, which will be, which will be really awesome, and all kinds of third-party apps. Um, so I have I have a, a dream app that's sort of like Panic Status Board, but directly on Apple TV, and it will let me see my reminders, my home and work calendars, latest photos um, on our shared iCloud photo stream, like recent family shared media purchases. Um, like then it would have like weather and local traffic, a list of airplay speakers, um, and any other kind of like internal house controls, like lighting, our thermostat, et cetera. So I know like the, the SDK doesn't actually allow access to half of this stuff, and there's no home kit yet on Apple TV, but we're totally blue skying here. Like if you could have any app now that third party apps are available for Apple TV, what would it be? Uh, well, first off, the, my first thought was stand, status board, and I talked to uh, talked to Nevin at Panic about this, and and yeah, and then the, it, I saw some web posts about it, like no web views in Apple TV apps, right. which mm. which makes total sense if you are Apple and you don't want. Uh, like really crappy web page views on, but, but developers use web views for lots of other stuff, and so it gets a, a lot more complicated. Um, uh, also, I get the sense from talking to a bunch of people that Apple TV is still a work in progress; like it's not ready yet, so they're still figuring a lot of this stuff out. But, but honestly, Status Board was my number one. Was <laughs> this is perfect because because I used to have to mirror from an iPad to a TV to do Status Board, and the idea of being able to bring something up, uh, you know, my only thing would be. That that should probably be ultimately like a TVOS feature. It would be really cool to have a, a status screensaver or to have third parties be able to write an app that runs as your screensaver. So you know, honestly, that that's my that's my number one. And then beyond that, I just I want really good TV apps that are more interesting than the apps that currently are on Apple TV. The Major League Baseball app might be as close to my dream app as possible, and it was demoed on stage. But I'd like to see good apps from Amazon and Netflix and Hulu because there's a lot of uh, good interface stuff that you can do with video that is beyond the sort of like scrolling in an endless list that we've had on Apple TV for the last few years. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to join on the bandwagon here. I love the idea of status board on my Apple TV. I just want to leave it on all day, you know, just <laughs> have it running like, like a screensaver, like Jason was saying. And I think Krista's list of features is great. The one thing I would add to it, though, is the, um, you know, find my friends, like Mrs. Weasley's clock, you know, in Harry Potter. Oh, nice. I would love to be oh. able to just look at the board and say, oh, okay, my daughter's at school or she's in jail or whatever. <laughs> so, yes. Oh, especially um, if it was styled like Mrs. Weasley's clock. That'd be oh, great. that would be amazing. Yeah. But the, uh, I, I don't know. I, I just think that we've got this big screen in our living room and it's just sitting there most of the day. I don't mind leaving it running. It's LCD, no burning. I'm good. And, um, you know, put together something for me, Apple. In fact, I think Apple needs to be the people that really do this ultimately, this uh, this thing we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hate status. No, that's not true. <laughs> charts, um, charts, yeah. Dan, charts. Uh, actually, the, so the app I want to, to build off what Jason was saying about good TV watching apps, one of the features I kind of dig in... Um, in the Fire TV, if you're streaming from Amazon Prime, is that you can sort of bring up this overlay screen, this X-ray feature, which they also have in the Kindles, which lets you see, like, who's in this scene? Like, what's going on? Trivia about this movie. Um, and I actually think something like that, Ooh. to Jason's point about, like, the stats integration with the MLB app, but something where I could be like, they showed off the Siri, like, what did they say? But wouldn't it be great if you could say, Siri, where have I seen this person before? And it would bring up, like, a little display on the side and, like, show the actor's filmography and tell you, like, oh, yeah, you watched this thing last week. I just... I. I end up doing that all the time while I'm watching TV on my iPhone or iPad. So having it built in, I think, would be that much better. Um, 
And, and I agree. It's so fascinating to see because we think of TV as such a like direct consumption experience. But I can think of a lot of places. I'm not a big reality show fan myself, but I can think of a lot of reality shows that some sort of interaction model would be really useful on with those things you have like real time voting or the likes or or alternate angles of like backstage cameras or stuff like that. There's some really clever stuff that you can do when you stop thinking about it as just a channel for delivering content and think about it as an interactive experience where you can deliver all sorts of different things and and even allow the the user to sort of have feedback. So I, I think for me, a dream app would definitely be like an enhanced TV watching experience. Um, and I, I'm a little worried about what what different networks might take that to mean because you could very, very easily have that go awry with like cross promotions, advertising, etc. But uh, I would love to see something that really sort of takes that to the next level. A lot of plugs for Panic Status Board, too, which is very nice. Um, and it's available for iOS now. You don't have to wait for it to mythically become available on Apple TV. True. And it's so, beautiful. And it is it is gorgeous. I got to see uh, Panic's own status boards uh, this weekend, and they are amazing. <laughs> uh, we ran a status board at, uh, at IDG for, for oh, yes, my, my, my last couple of years there. That was pretty great. Um, half That's two topics down. We're at halftime, uh, halftime on Clockwise this week's brought to you by Kirby, a parental control service for iOS that allows parents to manage iPads, iPhones, and iPods touch. Uh, on a good day, the internet can be scary for most people. It can be terrifying for parents. Uh, do you, How do you let your kids enjoy good parts of the internet, protect them from the nefarious parts? Uh, Kirby solves this problem by giving you parental controls on iOS devices. You can block specific types of content at a specific site list. Kirby tracks and can block websites through Safari or any other iOS app that has a web browser. It bl- the blocks that you put in place with Kirby work no matter how they inter- access the internet, no matter where they go, because they're on device, not on your local Wi-Fi network. And it lets you set boundaries. It's not all about keeping bad stuff away. You can use Kirby to make sure kids are using their devices in a balanced way. You can block social networks from 3 to 6 p.m., the entire internet from 9 p.m. to 8 a.m., things like that that are based on time and specific classes of access that can be handy when it's bedtime and they've got their iPad and their bedroom or something like that $6.99 a month Kirby protects all the iOS devices in your home wherever they may be find out more for yourself at Kirby.com that's C-U-R-B-I.com slash clockwise and thank you to Kirby for sponsoring clockwise halftime all right halftime is over now goodbye halftime the cheerleaders are leaving (laughs) the field and uh, it's time for topic number three. That's me. As we speak, iOS 9 is arriving. Apple, I think as we speak, is loading it onto its servers and pressing all the buttons that need to be pressed. So I'm going to ask this question. When, you, when your most technology-confused relative or friend asks you, says, I got this thing that says there's an update available. What should I do? And we, I think we all get this. What are you going to tell them about iOS 9? And if you are inclined to sell them a reason to get the update, what would be the, uh, the, the feature that you would use to, to sell it? David? Uh, I tell them to push the button. Uh, you know, I think this year the update is not as aggressive as they've been in the last couple iterations of iOS. I mean, I've been using the beta and it's been really stable. Uh, and I, I just think this is kind of a... Um, this is a year where Apple took a step back and fixed a lot of things and made a couple improvements, but overall, this, it's just not so aggressive that I don't think you're going to have any problem. Um, in terms of selling it, I think that the new Notes app is really surprising, and that's that's uh, something I thought I'd never say 
but the um, but the new Nuance app is really good, and I think there's a lot of people out there, especially like non-geeks, when you're talking about relatives, that do want a way to easily track notes. Um, it's kind of like got an Evernote component too now. You can add pictures and links and make little lists. Uh, it's a nice little improvement, and overall, I've been really happy with the with the new iOS. So I would tell them to go ahead and was I forget? Do you take the red pill or the green pill? Blue pill. The blue pill. The blue pill. You've got See, the wrong I mean, set of pills there, Dave. Yeah, yeah. Don't well, take the green pill. The Whatever you do, pill. don't take the green <laughs> pill. It makes you very large if you take the green pill. Oh, that's bad. <laughs> Dan? First of all, uh, yeah, every time that update comes up, I say the same thing, which is just update your iPad, Mom. Um, and <laughs> she's really bad about that. She just says, no, there was a thing. I didn't bother pressing that button. No, I, I always tell people to update, and I think the, the two reasons are mainly, you know, the, the non- uh, like marquee ones, you know, like security and compatibility, right? Like you're going to fix security problems and there's going to be compatibility stuff with apps. So that's, you know, not maybe exactly the sexiest reason to upgrade <laughs> your iOS device, but it's the best in my opinion. As far as selling it goes, uh, I would say that the things that actually might get me to convince people are, uh, well, I want to say transit directions a lot except for the fact that apple still hasn't rolled them out everywhere like where i live so <laughs> that's not as attractive an option although i'm glad they will be there in there eventually i hope unless apple just sort of throws up its hands at boston transit which i can understand um i think for me a lot of the uh the proactive stuff is is kind of interesting and not so much the that screen that where spotlight is that shows you all that stuff that's fine it doesn't really do it for me but these sort of little features that it incorporates like being able to sort of vacuum up stuff from your mail uh and and create events where necessary um in using the beta like you know i booked a couple flights while i was had the beta on my iphone and it just automatically was like oh you've got flights i'm gonna add them to your calendar and that was actually super useful so those little things that sort of remove pain points and make it so that you you know your technology does some heavy lifting for you is really i think that's great and i I look forward to seeing more of that uh as ios continues to develop but i i I think it's the small things this time and i I agree with david that the upgrade is is certainly less aggressive than ios 7 and 8 were so i think there will be a less resistance to pushing that well for me um i just i'm Always, it's like how how are you not updating? Like it's it's like telling you to update. Just just update. Just do it. Just just do it. Um, but I think as far as selling it, if I had to if I had to sell it, um, one thing would be actually the uh, better better battery life. Um, the the low power mode that will give you like an extra three hours of battery. They say or like up to three hours or something. Um, I think that's I think that's a good feature. And it's um, it's again you know it's not like a super um, exciting feature on the surface, but it, I think it's one that will be really practical for a lot of people um, and definitely come in handy. Um, especially like for traveling and things like that. Always my, uh, whenever I travel, I carry an extra like battery pack um, because just end up running down my phone. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, this universal search feature is, is pretty cool also. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Mostly for me, it's just like, how are you, how are you not updating? Just update. Oh, those are those are all good answers. A lot of push the button there, and I I, I think iOS eight was uh, uh, and 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 seven were a, a little more uh, tumultuous, and I think nine is uh, it, it's it's nice, and I don't think people are going to freak out. The font is different, you know, San Francisco, <laughs> but otherwise, I mean, it, it is it is better. Um, it takes less space to update than eight did, which is a really nice win. Uh, so the t- other two things I'd say is for all my uh, friends and family who have uh, struggled with their iPhone running out of battery, I'd say the battery life has improved. And if you're ever nervous that you're going to be uh, away from a charger for a long time, 
I this weekend at the at the conference, I flipped my phone into uh, the the low battery usage mode with like sixty percent battery left, and it was a champ. It was it just kept going. It's kind of amazing uh, how good that that uh, low battery usage mode is. And of course, when you get down to I think twenty percent, it prompts you, "Would you like to go into low battery usage mode now?" So, uh, and even if you don't, the battery life is better in iOS nine. So that would be my number one thing. And my number two thing would be that Maps is a lot better, and especially my feature that I like the most in maps is that um, you can search for kinds of things much easier now. Like I, I, I tried to search for like breakfast places and not only did I get, I, or like restaurants and it'll let you do sub search, sub searches. So I searched for one thing and then there was a little icon and I could tap on like coffee and tea and find a place in Portland to get my you know, morning tea. And uh, that, that is so much better than the old kind of like, what word could I put in maps that might get me something that's on this continent? So they've done a lot of work there to make that better. So yeah, there's, Grant did. I tapped a lunch button and it gave me the first hit it gave me was a restaurant that was closed <laughs> for lunch. Like it just nice. is open only in the evening. So well, and, and, not perfect yet, and, but getting and better. I was I eight, it would get you a street called Lunch in Turkey. <laughs> lunch <So>. drive. <laughs> so it, it's improved from that. All right. That is, uh, that's uh, great stuff. We we're down to one last topic. David, what do you have for us? You know, I've been looking at this new iPad Pro that got announced last week and talking to a bunch of my nerd friends. And it's interesting because some of them are offended by it. They think it's ridiculous how big it is. And um, that got me thinking because, you know, I think that there is a future of tablet computing. I don't think it's a fizzle like everybody's been kind of talking about lately. Um, I do think that, you know, one of the ways to... F- you know, to go forward with computing is to have tablets, computers get even bigger. And, and my question for the three of you is how big are these things going to get? And when is that going to happen? I'm going to get a hundred inch iPad that hangs on my wall. <laughs> um, I think the problem with the tablet form factor in terms of size is at a certain point it becomes at least untenable as far as like carrying it around goes, right? I I mean, granted, I kind of think that about the iPad Pro. It seems so large that it seems impractical to just take around with you places, but it's really no bigger than like a MacBook when you really think about it. Um, So, I mean, I guess there's no reason you couldn't have a 15-inch iPad except for the fact that it's really much more useful as like a thing that's propped up on your desk all the time or that's more used in conjunction with a keyboard than something that you like carry around the house. Um, I, I think it's interesting because... You know, you compare it to Microsoft, which is, you know, has had the Surface for a number of years now, um, which has generally been larger, I believe, than the iPad, but also back in the day had a product called the Surface that was the size of a table. (laughs) Um, And it kind of struggled to find a good use for that. I I used one in a hotel once. It was kind of wacky. And I think it was more of a proof of concept than anything else. It was also like $10,000. Um, but I wonder if you could have like a coffee table surface at some point that, you know, sorry, not to use the word surface again there, but a coffee table tablet at some point that was like a smart table. I could kind of almost see Apple doing something like that, but it would be much more designed as a, as a stationary object than something you pick up and travel with you. So I kind of feel like we're approaching the limit of how big you can make an iPad and still have it be a portable device. But that doesn't mean that the iPad, you know, tablet form factor slash iOS combination can't be applied to other uh, other solutions. So I, I'm I'm interested to see where they go with it, and I'm interested to see if the iPad Pro becomes something that is compelling to people who maybe don't want to use a Mac for certain tasks. <coughs> Federico Vitici. Um, <laughs> 
So nice. Well, um, I I'm very intrigued by it, especially with um, you know the new screen and with the um, the pressure sensitive stylus, which we've we've been waiting for for a while. So I used to use a, a Cintiq um, back in the day when I was when I was in animation and I did motion graphics and uh, video compositing. And using a Cintiq was actually really nice for for things um, not just drawing, but for for rotoscoping, like drawing like tiny like a hundred tiny little points on a mask and like just cleaning up you know getting armatures and stuff out of out of a video shot. Um, and so I could see the um, the iPad Pro being really good for for things like that for artistic applications especially. Um, but also I could see it getting really big and, and being more specialized like um, for for drafting. Like what if you had a giant iPad that was the size of like a drafting board and it was angled like a drafting board and you would you know stand over it and it would be angled. Um, and then you could also have you know like a pullout um, like keyboard for it and use it like a just a regular regular beautiful giant screen. You know tilt it up and then you would you know sort of tilt it back and then um, do sort of more like a combination of like AutoCAD and traditional drafting style. Um, I think that would be really awesome. But um, I, you know, the computing power has to improve along with the size too in order for it to be used for specific things like that. Um, but yeah, I definitely see it. I don't know, you know, um, I just see, I see it being a boon for um, artistic and creative applications and uh, I'm not sure what else, um, you know, how how else it'll go, but I could definitely see it being used for that. That'd be fun. I think it's it's funny. I mean, in in the context of a uh, an iPad, it's huge, right? But you pick it up, it, it doesn't weigh very much. It's easy to hold. Uh, when you think about it, it's like a, a, the the top part of a 13 inch laptop got torn torn off of the laptop. Well, we have 15 inch laptops. We used to have 17 inch laptops. So I don't think it's unreasonable to have a larger iPad still. And um, I might not go as far as Dan, but I, I do remember, you know, when I was in high school, the drafting class had the big drafting tables, and and uh, you know that that was a big surface area. Surface. Oh, the word. <laughs> you can't avoid it. Yeah, uh, you can't. Can. Well, no, and that's why it was called the original surface was a table and it was actually pretty cool so I, I think touch interfaces like this are going to spread out I do think that that you we're going to have them in all sorts of places and whether they're from Apple or other vendors I, I do think in the end we will have more touch surfaces at all the different sizes and uh, it's not unreasonable at all that there might be a bigger uh, a bigger iPad in the future that we might even say which iPad Pro do you have do you have the 13 the 15 or the 17 and uh, that it won't be a big deal but this is a starting point yeah I'm with you guys I I think that I don't know whether the iPad as a mobile device gets much bigger, but I do think that this technology is going to grow into desks and the drafting table is exactly what I was thinking as well, Krista. I mean, uh, in the future, this technology is only going to get cheaper. Um, I don't think the screen resolution can get any better uh, as humans to make a difference. So if you look at like the existing tablet market there's a lot of really cheap just basic tablets on the market so go forward 10 years it will not be that expensive to make large size tablets and I, I do see them being embedded in countertops and desks and all sorts of places we didn't think of and when you think about how easy it is to get text into it, I mean, voice recognition is getting better than ever. Um, you could have an external keyboard, but I can tell you my kids, when they grow up, they're not going to want an external keyboard. They're just going to tap on the screen. And um, I just think that, you know, this stuff is, is not going away. 
All right, that's four topics down. Great stuff. And that leaves us only time for our bonus topic. Bonus topic this week brought to you by FanDuel. It is NFL football season. And you uh, week one has already passed. So if you have missed out, you can't do that traditional uh, season-long fantasy football draft stuff that, that you know I've been playing for like 20 years now. Uh, but that's okay because FanDuel is weekly fantasy football. You uh, set a lineup based on a salary cap. You make those players uh, ready to go for this weekend. And you accumulate points and at the end you find out if you are a winner or a loser or just somebody in the middle which was me actually last week uh and uh, then it's done and then you can play a different game the next week with different players which is pretty cool FanDuel is the leader in one week fantasy football more winners more payouts than any other site building a team is super easy like I said entry fees start at just one dollar so anyone can play um, I built a roster in FanDuel a couple weeks ago it was super simple and interesting challenge because you're using a salary cap you can't just load up on stars you have to balance your team based on the uh, the, the salary cap which is a neat uh, kind of a little logical challenge for people who are sports nerds and computer nerds, I think it might work for you. So go to FanDuel.com, click the microphone in the upper right-hand corner, use the code CLOCKWISE, and sign up now. And new users will get uh, will be able to take advantage of a matching program. Every dollar you deposit will be matched up to $200 by FanDuel. It gets earned as you play. Um, use the code CLOCKWISE when you visit FanDuel.com. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Sign up today. Thank you to FanDuel for sponsoring the bonus question. Dan, what is the bonus question well fall is just around the corner and fall means tv so i'm going to ask what new or returning show you are most looking forward to krista i am really looking forward to the walking dead coming back last season was kind of uneven but it's still a great horror show and um uh, who can resist you know post-apocalyptic zombies fair enough david I um I went to the Star Wars convention this year where I met Dan and I met the people behind the Star Wars Rebels show. So naturally, I feel like they're my best friends. And uh, my my daughter and I watched it last season. I can't wait to see the new season of Rebels. Great, yeah, me too, Jason. Come on, Dan. <laughs> Doctor Who starts on Saturday. I'm very excited. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that too. Me, uh, I'm looking forward to to I, I cheat and take two, which are Arrow and Flash. Yeah. I'm looking forward to both of those. They go together. Back. They go together. They're basically two delicious sides. I'm of looking forward cookie. to the flash. That's uh, yeah, that too. Well, uh, uh, that's all the time we have for today. It only remains to thank our guest, Kristen Morgan. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thanks so much for having me. And David Sparks. Thank you very much. My pleasure. And Dan, that's it. We got to the end. We may have right, managed to do it again. again. <laughs> all right. Excellent. Well, we'll be back next week with another edition of Clockwise. Uh, but until then, we want to remind you of our catchphrase, which is not meant in a threatening way whatsoever. Watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Ah, I'm frightened now. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.